Grace and peace to you from him who was and who is and who is to come, our Savior Jesus. Dear friends, today we're beginning our walk through the season of Lent. And the season of Lent is, is really the height of, of what Christianity, the Christian year, the Christian life is all about. Because it, it's a 40-day journey that leads us with our Savior to his suffering and death on the cross and his victory on Easter with the re- his resurrection. That, that's what Christianity is really all about. The cross and the empty tomb, our Savior's death and resurrection for us. During Lent, sometimes people choose to give something up. Now, uh, please keep in mind, Christianity is not about rules. Christianity is about the salvation of souls. But sometimes people choose to give something up as a, a, a sort of a sacrifice on their own part uh, to help them focus maybe a little bit more, to, to remove a distraction from life, um, to, to free up some time for extra prayer or devotion time. And usually the things people give up are, tend to be things like sweets or chocolate, social media, some TV, maybe even coffee. I don't want to see you that morning. <laughs> Usually, there, if somebody gives something up, there's, there's some significance in their life, right? But it's not something that is really going to make a huge impact, that's really going to change things drastically in the long term. It's a short-term sacrifice. But what if during Lent we, we gave up something else? What if we gave up something that's a lot more difficult, something that, that's going to be tough, something that is, well, something that's going to make it really uncomfortable for life. This season, we're going to look at that exact thing. Over the next six weeks, we're going to look at giving up some things that, I'll be honest, we probably don't want to give up because, well, they're comfortable, they're easy. They fit into our, our, our sinful, sinful mindset, our, the temptation of the world. They help us just kind of go with the flow instead of, instead of standing in the stream. But before we begin that, let's remember why, right? We aren't doing this to earn God's favor. We aren't doing this to, to sacrifice because Jesus sacrificed for us. No, we're giving some things up, starting today with temptation, because we're headed towards the cross. The cross of our salvation because we're headed for the empty tomb that assures and guarantees Jesus' victory is our victory. So today we begin with temptation and I'm going to tell you right now, give up temptation, I'm setting you up for failure. Because we can't. We'd like to. But we can't. We can't give up temptation because we can't choose when and how and even if we are tempted. But we can choose how we face temptation. We can choose how we react to temptation. We can choose whether or not and how we fight temptation. But before we talk about that, we need to acknowledge something about temptation and why it's such a problem. It's our first takeaway this morning. 
that the problem with temptation is that it's tempting. This sounds silly, but that's the problem with it, isn't it? Right? If I talk to you about, you know, the temptation of a batch of cookies, yeah, right now it's no big deal. You're sitting in here and there's not a cookie in sight. But what if those cookies just came out of the oven in your home and are sitting on your counter? Oh, they smell so good and they're right there and they're warm and they're gooey. Mm. Then the temptation is a little more difficult, isn't it? It's a lot more real. And, and maybe you think that Stealing, that, that's really not something that you struggle with. You're not really tempted by that at all. But then somebody that's sitting at the table next to you at a restaurant, well, it's not their tip because they left that on the table, but they drop some money and they leave. And, and by the time you see it, they're already out the door. There's no way you're going to catch them. And you know what? You, you never think of like stealing, taking something from someone else, but, but it's just money. I mean, it's just sitting there. It's finders keepers, right? I mean, it, it's just so tempting. Or maybe you think, ah, I, don't, I don't gossip. That's not really something I struggle with. Until that guy at work that has been a thorn in your flesh and a pain in your neck since the day you started, just an annoyance, a frustration. Oh, he's getting fired, and you know it. Ooh, it's just so tempting, right? And that's the problem with temptation. Temptation, we are tempted to think it's not a big deal. Because, well, there must be something good about it, maybe even, right? And, and it's, it's not really harmful. I mean, that gossip, that, who's that going to hurt? He's getting fired anyway. The, the money, well, that's just, you know, that's finders, keepers. Nobody, they're not coming back for it. They're long gone. And, and we're, we're tempted to rationalize, to excuse, to find a way out that makes that temptation okay. That makes it allowable for us to give in instead of giving up. And I'm guessing that was probably Achan's mindset too. You remember Achan from the Bible reading before in Joshua 7, right? The guy who, you know what? I mean, everybody, look at all of this, this giant pile of loot and it's all going to get burned up and nobody's going to notice if this one robe isn't in there. And nobody's going to miss just these, you know, like a few pounds of, of gold and just a few pounds of silver. Nobody's even going to notice. And I'll just hide it and it's not a big deal. In fact, I'm, I'm sure other people are doing it too. Except that wasn't the case, was it? Because what Achan neglected to understand and what we so often forget is that temptation is more than just like, will I give in to something that I know I shouldn't do, but I kind of want to? No, temptation is something that's, that's far bigger and far more serious because the Bible warns, God warns us about this. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And that someone the devil is looking to devour is you. 
He's looking to get you to fall into temptation. And then he's looking to get you to say, what I did was so bad, God can't love me, God can't forgive me, to give in to guilt and shame and despair and to give up on God. And that's what the devil does. And that's why temptation is so dangerous, and that's our second takeaway, that temptation is a spiritual attack on my soul. See, if that's the case, then that helps us understand why temptation is such a big deal. Why God is so serious about it. It's not just eating a cookie or taking some money or giving into gossip or clicking on that website or watching a show or doing something that we know we shouldn't do. It's not just that. Because the, God knows that the devil is lurking. And he's waiting. And he's tempting and he's attacking and he's trying to get you to give in to temptation. Because when you do, his goal then is to get you to give up on God. To give up God's gift of grace, to give up God's gift of forgiveness and salvation, and to live in despair and guilt. That's what we're looking at, our, our, our strength then, as we see the, the serious nature of temptation and how devious the devil is, we're going to take a look at how Jesus was tempted. Because the attacks that the devil used against Jesus, I'm pretty sure you're going to recognize them. They're the same attacks that the devil uses against us. And the devil knew that, boy, this was an epic battle. Because if he could get Jesus to slip, if he could get Jesus to fail, if he could get Jesus to fall into temptation, to give in, well, then not only was Jesus doomed, but so are we. And that's why this battle was such an epic struggle, an epic battle, and so critically important for us to see, not just, not just as an example of how to fight temptation, but because this is a piece of our salvation in these pages. Let's take a look at Luke chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. Jesus full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. Now, this first temptation that the devil launches against Jesus, this first attack, it's probably one that, that we've seen, right? It's a, a simple attack, a simple temptation. It's one to not trust, not trust God's goodness, not trust that God really loves you, that God really cares for you, that God is really looking out for you. I mean, Jesus has been to the, this wilderness, and notice he hasn't eaten. For 40 days. I don't know about you, but I'd be beyond hangry, right? He's got to be starving. And notice what the devil does. He wants Jesus to see this stone as something more than just a stone. 
It's not a new temptation. In fact, it's, this is the original temptation. If you go all the way back in the beginning of the Bible to Genesis chapter 3, the first temptation that's recorded, well, this is what it is, isn't it? The devil begins by, by going to Adam and Eve and at that tree that God said, don't eat from it. And he said, did God really say that? Right? He's planting the seed of doubt. And then he comes out with the bald-faced lie, ah, if you eat from it, you'll be like God. See, what did he want them to see? That's not just fruit. He wanted to see it as more than just fruit. And they did. Because the Bible goes on to say, when they looked at the fruit of the tree, it was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom. See, the devil had succeeded, hadn't he? Before they even reached out and took the fruit, the devil had succeeded in tempting them to doubt God's love, to doubt God's goodness, to doubt God's promises. And that's what he's doing here, too, with Jesus. And notice how he phrases it, right? How he attacks Jesus. He's, he's a sneaky guy, right? He says, if you are the Son of God, Jesus, you know, you, you say this, but I'm not so sure. Why don't you prove it? It's harmless, right? I mean, obviously, God's not feeding you. Just turn this stone into bread. Show me. Prove it. You know that temptation? Not to turn something into bread, but the temptation to see something as, as more than it really is, to doubt God's love, his goodness, his care for you. Think of a time when, when you've prayed for something, when you've wanted something, when maybe you've even needed it, and you prayed and you hoped and you longed for whatever it might be, a spouse or kids or, or money or a job or peace. And it seemed like God's just not answering. He's not giving me what, I, what I'm looking for. He's not answering my prayer. He's not... He's not giving me what I need. And there's the devil, isn't he? And he whispers, yeah, it's okay. I'm not sure God loves you. And if he loves you, he's certainly not taking very good care of you, is he? So it's okay to take matters into your own hands. It's okay, even if you have to, to bend the rules a little bit, even if you have to compromise your principles or even your faith because you need to take care of you. Because God isn't. So just go ahead. It's okay. The devil's pretty good at that, isn't he? You know that attack? You been there? where the devil wants you to see God not providing, to think that God doesn't care, that God doesn't love, that God has abandoned you. The reality is nothing could be further from the truth. He abandoned his own son so that he would never abandon you. But the devil's lie sounds pretty good, doesn't it? That temptation, it's tempting to take matters into our own hands and do what we want rather than simply trust and rely on God. That's temptation number one. Look at how the devil responds, right? Jesus countered or parried that attack 
Well, here comes the second one. The devil then led him, Jesus, up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It's been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So when the temptation to doubt God's love, God's care, God's goodness fails, what does the devil do? He does the opposite, doesn't he? He attacks from the opposite flank, the opposite direction. So he showed Jesus all the kingdoms of the world and said, if you just bow down, I'll give everything to you. And did you notice the really bold lie? The, the devil's claiming that this has all been given to him. But he uses that for us too, doesn't he? Yeah, if you just give up on that, you'll have everything you want, everything you need. Jesus understood that this was a, a very serious temptation, right? This wasn't a, a temptation that God wasn't going to provide. This was a temptation to have more and more and more and more. And the irony is, Jesus is God. Who does all that belong to in the first place? It belongs to him. But the devil didn't really care because the devil doesn't tempt us based on rational, reasoned, logical thinking very often. In fact, most of the time, and this is our second takeaway, the devil's temptations are often based on my emotions. Think about it. How often anger, greed, lust, hatred, envy, those aren't like, I'm going to sit down and I think I'll be envious of someone today. No, no, that just flows out of my heart and the devil is all too happy to, to provide us with temptations, to attack us, isn't he? Because we have that innate desire, the innate desire that this should be mine, all of this is for me, right? I mean, as kids, we, we, we see him grab and say, this is mine. And adults, we do the same. So we understand the, the whole temptation of having more and better and, and getting ahead. But have you ever been tempted by the devil to do all of that and get all of that if you bow down and worship him? I, I, th I think we would probably on the surface say no, right? I've, I've never bowed down. I've never worshipped the devil. I'm not a devil worshiper. We're Christians. We're here in church. But what if in the effort to, to get ahead, to have a little more, what if in the effort to, to get some fun money, right, to do the fun things that we want in life, well, we pick up a few extra shifts. And we start out at the beginning saying, you know what, I'm never working on Sundays because that's my time with God. That's my time to go to church, to be with my fellow Christians, to be in God's house. But eventually, over time, well, we have to end up picking up a shift. We get scheduled for a Sunday, and then that occasionally, that rarely becomes occasionally, and then it occasionally becomes, I don't even pay attention anymore. Or maybe you're standing firm in the whole, I'm not going to work on Sunday, but whew, 
burning the candle really hard the other six days of the week. And you know what? Sunday's my only day to sleep in. And it's my only day to, to catch up and my only day to, to get stuff done around the house because I'm just so tired all the rest of the time. And I don't have any time. And all of it just to get a little bit more. To get ahead. Or maybe you're looking to give your, your son or your daughter a, a, a chance in the spotlight, right? So that their, their basketball talents or their soccer skills are noticed. And, and so you put them on an AAU team and you join a, a traveling team. And all of a sudden, weekend tournaments, they fill up every weekend. And something has to give. And, well, I guess it's going to be church. I guess it's going to be time in God's word, time in God's house. Also that we could get a little bit more, to get a little bit further ahead, to, to have something that's a little bit better. And maybe we didn't actually bow down and worship the devil, but what have we not done? We haven't taken time to worship God. And in the devil's book, that's a win. The attacks that the devil levies against Jesus, they didn't work so well, right? But he's got one more up his sleeve. Beginning at verse 9, The devil led Jesus to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Sounds good. Jesus answered, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all his, this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Jesus had countered the devil's lies with the truth of God's word. So what does the devil do? I'm going I'm to attack you with God's word. I'm going to misinterpret, misapply, mislead with it but it's still going to be using God's word. And it sounds good. And it sounds tempting. But understand what this, this is a, a devious attack, right? If your trust is in God and you're relying on his word, well, the devil's trying to undermine that very trust, to compromise that very word. And in doing so, the devil is encouraging Jesus, and when he attacks us, encouraging us to put ourselves in, in situations, in positions that are dangerous, that are foolish, that expose us to, to risk, and not just calculated ones, but, but expecting that it's okay, God will miraculously rescue me. It makes me think of a story I heard one time. It's an illustration. It's not a true story. About a man during the flooding after Hurricane Katrina. And this man was stranded up on his rooftop and a, a Coast Guard helicopter came in to rescue him and he, he waved him off. And, and then a, a rescue boat showed up on the scene and he, he waved them off as well. And eventually the, the floodwaters got high enough and swept him away. And he got to heaven and he wasn't very happy. And he said to God, God, I prayed to you. I trusted you. I was waiting for you. Where were you? And God said, 
Who do you think sent the helicopter in the boat? See, sometimes we have expectations that God is going to miraculously deliver us, right? And as we look at the, the temptations that the devil used against Jesus, we see, boy, we see the same temptations against us, don't we? And, and we're reminded how often we have fallen. We've fallen into, we've given into those temptations. And sometimes it's because, you know, we don't even see the danger. And sometimes it's because we think we're good. We got this. We can stand firm. And sometimes it's, we think we can handle a little bit of it, right? We can handle going to that website or watching this show or going to that club or, or doing whatever. And, and we, can, we can get really close to the line without crossing. And when we fall... There's a roaring lion waiting. See, it's not hard to see the similarities, is there, between the temptations that the, the devil used against Jesus and the ones he uses against us. But there is a, a giant, a huge difference between Luke chapter 4 and our lives. Because while we know how often we give in to temptation, Jesus did not. And there's the good news. Not just that he didn't, and boy, I wish I could. I wish I could be like that. I, I, there's the example, and I, I struggle to measure up. No, that's not the reason. See, Jesus never gave in to temptation. Jesus never fell into temptation so that his life was perfect. The way God expects, the way God commands and demands. So that when he went to the cross. It wasn't because he deserved to die. It was because we do. It was so that he could give his perfect life for you and for me. So that he could take on himself all of our baggage, all of the times we've given into temptation. And that when God sees us now, he sees the perfection, the perfect obedience of Jesus. That's a beautiful thing. Now, you might think, well, that's easy. He's God. I mean, right? And it's true. He is God, and he's true man. But, but notice how Jesus fought that temptation. He didn't say, I'm God. Get away from me. You have no business talking to me. Jesus fought every single temptation the same way you and I can. He fought them with the word of God. He used that weapon that God has given to all believers, right? In Ephesians 6, when it talks about the armor of God, God talks about how he's given us this offensive weapon. It's the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. And God wants us to understand our takeaway number four, that he has equipped you and me with that same powerful weapon to fight temptation. That weapon is the Word of God. And so we've got it, right? We've got it on our phones, we've got it on our coffee table or our nightstand or our bookshelf, and, and we have it, but God doesn't want us to just have it. He wants us to know it and to use it. He doesn't want us to just dabble in it a little bit here and there. He doesn't want us to just, you know, have a, a passing knowledge. It'll get, I'll, I know enough. 
If someone was kicking in your door at your house in the middle of the night, well, you'd want to have a weapon, right? And maybe you do. Maybe it's a gun or a taser or just a baseball bat. But you'd want to have a weapon, you'd want to have it ready, and you'd want to know how to use it. And the same is true with the Word of God because we are under attack every day. The devil isn't going to stop. He is going to keep on coming at you and coming at you and coming at you and tempting and tempting and tempting. And that doesn't mean we go, oh, I quit. I'm sick of this. I'm so tired of the temptation. But instead, we know the reality. And we know the weapon that we have. I can't stand on my own, but I can stand in Christ, trusting in him. I don't have the strength, but my Savior does because my Savior defeated him. And so I don't need to go, ooh, I got this one. I can get really close to the line. I, I can say, you know what, devil? Jesus, Jesus defeated you, and that's who I trust in. And I have that word at my hand so that when I'm hurting and when I'm struggling and the devil comes at me and says, God doesn't love you, I can remember his promises. Yes, he does. And here's how I know it. That when he attacks in those sneaky and devious ways that, that I'm ready and I see it for what it is and I know God's truth and I know God's love. And here's the last point. When you fall into temptation, and it's going to happen, when you give in instead of giving up, and we all do, that it's not lost. The, the cause, the hope is not gone. Instead, it's our last takeaway. That what keeps you and what keeps me from being devoured by guilt or despair is the truth that Jesus won the victory for me. And he saved me. So find your strength there, in Jesus, in your Savior. Find your strength in Him to fight the devil's attacks. Find your strength to say, boy, that's tempting, but my Savior loves me. My God says, do everything out of glory for me. And he's got something far better for me than just the promise of a cookie or a few bucks on the floor or a little bit more this or a little bit different that. No, he's got a, an eternity with him in heaven. And so while the battle rages against temptation today and tomorrow, please know the war's already won because Jesus won it and he won it for you. Amen. Amen.